This past week I received a Facebook story about a professor who once challenged his students with this question. Did God create everything that exists? Immediately one student raised his hand and said, yes, he did. And the professor answered and said, if God created everything, then that means that God created evil. Furthermore, since evil exists and since what we do defines who we are, then we can assume that God is evil. Every student in the room became silent. And the proud professor said, once again, I have proven that Christianity is a myth. Another student raised his hand up and said, Professor, does cold exist? And the professor said, what kind of question is that? Of course cold exists. Well, the student said, sir, according to the laws of physics, cold does not exist. What we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Cold in itself does not exist. We've just created this word to describe how we feel when we ain't got no heat. The student continued, Professor, does darkness exist? And the professor said, of course it does. And the student said, once again, sir, you are wrong. Darkness does not exist. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Darkness is merely a word that we use to describe the lack of light. And finally, the young man asked that professor, Sir, does evil exist? Now, more than a little disturbed, the professor said, Of course it does. We see evil every day. And the student replied, Sir, evil does not exist. Evil is the absence of God. Like darkness and cold, evil is merely a word that we use to describe what happens when we don't have the love of God in our heart. At this, the professor sat down, and that student's name was Albert Einstein. In Romans chapter 1, we discover quickly that human beings are perfectly able to know right from wrong. They're perfectly able to know good from evil. We just often choose to do nothing with what we know, and God calls that sin. But the Bible is clear that choice does not come without consequences. For the Bible says that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. But there is good news, for the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, friends, our God created us to be in fellowship with Him. But because of our sinful nature, we just rather do our own thing. We choose not to be in fellowship with God, and friend, that has consequences. So how in the world are we going to escape the consequences of our sin and enjoy peace with God? Well, it seems we're going to need some help. It seems we're going to need some sort of mediator who can negotiate a peace settlement. 
We're going to need someone who can represent both sides of this conflict. We're going to need someone who can create a solution for our sin problem. And the Bible explains that Jesus Christ is the mediator of peace that God provided for that, that issue between us and God. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes to the Roman church saying, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice, rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation through whom we have received peace with God. In those 11 verses, the Apostle Paul shares five components of faith that will give you and I peace with God. The first of which is, if you want to have peace with God, you're going to have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 1 stipulates that we're not made right with God through good works. We're not made right uh, with God through obeying the law. We're not made right with God through religion. We're made right with God only through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, friend, we're the ones that disobeyed God. We're the ones who turned our back on God. And because of that, we are not right with God. Unlike every religion that's searching for a way to get right with God, Christianity is not about human beings trying to find a way to reach God. Christianity is about God reaching down and rescuing us. Praise the Lord. Christianity is not about us working to make God happy. It's about God loving us even though we don't make Him happy. Christianity teaches us that peace with God doesn't come from something we do. It comes from something that God did. We, we know that it should be a little bit more complicated than that, but the first thing needed to have peace with God is faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. But we also need to have faith in the grace of God. Notice verse 2. 
The Bible says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There, Jesus, we know that Jesus Christ is the who of our faith. He is the one in whom our faith is in. But in this verse, we discover that grace is the why. The why of our faith. Grace is the reason that we are made right by faith. God's grace is not something you can earn. It's only something that's given. God's mercy is never deserved. It's simply accepted. God's favor is never achieved with effort. It's only accepted with ease. Friend, the grace of God is a gift. It's free. Peace with God is possible because of His grace. Not because we're hard workers. And so that way, He deserves all the credit. You see, peace with God, yes, comes by faith in Jesus Christ. But peace with God also comes through faith in the grace of God. We also see that we must have faith in the Holy Spirit. Go with me to verse 3. Paul says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Here we go. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Friend, it's here that we're told that life's problems have a purpose. Life's problems develop character. Life's problems develop persistence. But most importantly, life's problems deepen our trust in God's power, not in our own power. Friends, tough times happen to every human on the planet. But for the believer, those tough times, those difficulties, they make us stronger and they draw us closer to a loving God. Praise the Lord that our hope is grounded in God, not in our circumstances. You know, throughout history, God promised that he would send his Holy Spirit, he sent his Holy Spirit to help us to walk with him throughout our life. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that we are living in that promised time right now. Nearly 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, God said to the prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take that heart of stone from your flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my commands and do them. God's Holy Spirit, friend, is alive and working in our hearts to help us to live at peace with God. It's the Holy Spirit, friend, who wakes us up so that we can reach out to God first thing. It's the Holy Spirit who frees us from sin so that we can follow Jesus Christ. It's Him who gives us a new heart and a new set of desires. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and guides us in obedience. He helps us understand the Word of God. He gifts us with incredible abilities to serve in His family. And He guarantees us our place in heaven. My friend, can you see? Can you see that peace comes through faith 
and cooperation with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But then in verses 6 through 9, we find that Paul narrows in. He narrows his focus and begins to explain that it's also very important to have faith in Christ's sacrifice. Notice in verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Friend, those verses are not just some description of salvation. They are truly a testimony of the love of God for you. Because even when you were a sinful, rebellious, defiant enemy of God, God made peace. While we were turning our backs on him, he came down and he died for us. I remember reading a story about a lady who had been diagnosed with cancer. And the only way to treat her cancer was with harsh radiation and harsh chemotherapy. The only problem was she was pregnant. And if she went through that chemo, if she went through that radiation, that poor baby wouldn't survive. And so she refused the treatment so that her unborn child could live. Then the doctors took the baby about a month early, and the mother immediately started that chemo and started that radiation. But it was too late. So that mother, that mother gave her life for her son so that her son could live. Friends, we've all heard stories like that. We've all heard stories about people that are willing to sacrifice their lives for loved ones. I think we almost expect it. We can all relate with that one. But who would die for an enemy? Who would sacrifice their life for someone evil? Who would take the place of someone on death row? Would you? No. That person on death row deserves their punishment. They're in that prison. They're on death row for a reason. But Paul reminds us that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And even though, friend, we deserve the punishment and Jesus didn't, he still died for us. He paid the penalty. Friend, he took our place on death row. And friends, believing in that, believing that truth is how we receive peace with God. Not by us paying the penalty, but by Christ paying it for us. But in order for his sacrifice of peace to take effect, you and I must take a step of faith. You and I must come to the place where we trust exclusively in what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
And verse 9 explains exactly what Christ's sacrifice does for us. Much more than having now been justified. Here we go. By his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, friend, it's only the blood of Jesus that can cover our sin. Friend, it's only the sacrifice of Jesus that can make us right with God. It's only the redemption that Jesus offers that can give us peace with God. So you got a choice today. You can put your faith in yourself. Or you can put your faith in what Jesus did for you. But finally, peace with God comes when we have faith in the promise of God. You see, peace with God is not some pie-in-the-sky ideal. It's not some future event. Peace with God is not just about getting into heaven when you die. No, peace with God is about being in a right relationship, in intimate fellowship with God right now. Right now, today, in your life. You can trust God, friend, to save you. You can trust God to keep you saved. And you can trust God to remain in fellowship with us all the days of our life. Just take a look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice. We rejoice today in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation, through whom now we have received peace with God. That verse 10 is great evidence of God's uncanny ability to keep you saved. And friend, if God has the ability and God has the desire to save you in the first place, don't you think how much more does he have the ability and the desire to keep you saved? You don't have to fear losing your salvation, friend, because you didn't earn it to begin with. Salvation is the gift of God. We merely accept the gift through faith and God promises eternal life in return, period. Now friends, the whole reason for this particular Easter message is so that you can hear and so that you can rejoice in what God has done for you. That word rejoice in verse 11 literally means to boast or to brag. Now, you and I don't have nothing to brag about. But we can brag about what God has done for us. So how can we enjoy peace with God in a word? Faith. Forsaking all, I trust Him. Not faith in ourselves, not faith in good deeds, not faith in baptism, not faith in religion, but faith in Jesus Christ Faith in the grace of God. Faith in the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. And faith in the promises of God himself. Friend, if your faith is in something other than Jesus, you cannot have peace with God. Salvation is a free gift 
that comes through faith in the Lord. Faith is merely accepting it. Paul shared that gospel good news with the Corinthians. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, I declare to you the gospel by which you are also saved, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Friends, furthermore, can I tell you this morning that if you are not seeing evidence of Christ in your life, if you're not seeing the fruit of a relationship with God, then you cannot assume that you have peace with God. If you're not seeing the evidence, friend, I cannot tell you that you are saved. Because what Jesus saves, Jesus changes. Would you bow with me in prayer? My friend, where is your faith today? Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in religion or in your own goodness? Is your faith in your wealth? Well, friend, if you're ready to have peace with God, you're going to have to put your faith in Christ. So if you're ready to put your faith in Christ, I just want to give you a minute right now. Friend, are you ready? It's as simple as saying to God, God Almighty, I know I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I want Christ's sacrifice to take my place. I want to have peace with you, Lord. I want to escape your wrath against sin. I want to walk in a right relationship and an intimate fellowship with you all the days of my life. I want your Holy Spirit to give me a new heart. My friend, if that's your prayer today, in the next few seconds of silence, I want you to talk to God. My friends, Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes into the glory of the Father. This invitation time for you today is an opportunity for you to declare, I am not ashamed. Frank, can you say that with me? Can you raise your hand? I am not ashamed. Can you say that with me? I am not ashamed. I've prayed to God. I've received the gift of peace and the gift of pardon that he offers through faith in Jesus Christ. I've received the gift of pardon that he offers through faith in the grace of God, through faith in the Holy Spirit, through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, and through faith in God's promises. I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready to walk in fellowship with the Lord all the days of my life. I am not ashamed.